Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a Rowan vs. read-along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I am your host Fran and welcome to the show. So to obviously start out with something outside of the current book that we are talking about, we got some pretty fantastic news over the weekend in that the Kane Chronicles, which, oh my god, I'm kind of annoyed now that we're a Timeline Order podcast because we are not going to get to this series for a very, very long time. But The Kane Chronicles, the Egyptian mythology, three-part trilogy <laughs> mythology series of Rick Riordan is getting a Netflix film series. Oh yeah, not one, not two, but three movies, as it seems to be confirmed, are in the works. All three books are getting movies and oh my god. Not only does Rick look excited about it and this has been discussed since October of last year so hopefully that means that everything is in order. (laughs) Um, But oh my god it means that the King Chronicles is finally going to get the recognition it deserves or at least it should do. So if you guys want to support the King Chronicles and you want to help boost up the hype, help boost up people knowing about it, I have set up some social media relating to it so you can go and I will link these in the description to King Chronicles Netflix on Instagram and King Chronicles Films on reddit so those i have set up and they're basically fans are going to be sharing stuff and there are a few things that have come out so far and they are looking pretty cool fan wise and we do have we don't really have much news relating to it except for the announcement currently and some news articles that are talking about it but when news comes that social media will have it and yeah i'm i'm excited it's sad that it appears that unless netflix and disney get their act together it is unlikely that they will collaborate and do like a crossover but i'm excited all the same but on the note of excitement (laughs) let us carry on with today's episode chapter discussion so today we are continuing with the titan's curse chapter 13 we visit the junkyard of the gods and chapter 14 i have a damn problem as always i have my points to focus on and as always currently with the Titans curse the main thing that I'll be talking about is characters, story, gods and generally what I thought of it but to begin here's the synopsis the prophecy comes to roost in the desert and we were not ready with damn jokes to deal with the trauma and our podcast name drop the journey for our heroes is getting more treacherous Oh, and yeah, Percy really needs a proper education in mythology. My god. Sorry, my gods. 
And that's pretty much the synopsis for these two chapters. There, there is a lot that happens, and oh, I, I, mm, I have a lot to say. As you guys know, I always have a lot to say. So let us get straight into it with chapter thirteen. We visit the junkyard of the gods, and here is the overview for chapter thirteen. Horseback riding is difficult, but pig riding sounds worse. Random junkyard equals horror movie central. No sleep for the heroes as surprise guests arrive. Aphrodite has much in store for Percy and yeah, that doesn't sound good. No more taco time as our gang head into Hephaestus's junkyard. That was a complicated sentence for someone with dyslexia. My goodness, why did I write that for myself? Take anything and you die. Simple rule? Apparently not. When Giant Man wakes, all Hades breaks loose, and we lose one to the land without rain. And that is pretty much the overview for chapter 13, and oh my god, so much happens in this chapter. But from that final line, let us move in to the first part of character here for this chapter and I will only really be talking about well I will only be talking about Bianca really because as you guys know I am not currently a fan of the characterization and the introduction we've got into Bianca in this book and this is why I wasn't because Bianca is so underdeveloped as a character that even her death doesn't feel significant to her. We end up, we end up feeling more sad by the fact that Zoe and Percy and Talia are upset by her death than us actually being upset that she is dead. Or at least that's usually how I've ended up feeling, which sucks because I I want to like Bianca, but she's just she just doesn't have a character enough for us to feel any significance for her death of just her being gone. Ah, uh, emotional investment in her death comes from those around her and not the actual death itself and i think this is the thing is just the lead up to her death as well makes it worse because we are and percy are frustrated at her for stealing from the junkyard of the gods which was the one thing they weren't meant to do which led to the problems and her death in the first place and when we get the explanation of her reason for taking it we don't have any emotional connection to that reasoning because our reason for taking it was because it was a mythomagic statue that Nico doesn't have and she wanted to give it to Nico because it's the only one he hasn't been able to find. But this whole time everything that their relationship isn't developed enough. We haven't seen enough of that familial relationship to actually care that she seems to still care about her brother because all we've seen to feel and see is that she doesn't because in our mind she abandoned him obviously I don't think that I don't think she abandoned him I thought I think she did the thing that anyone would do the responsibility of being an adult as a sibling is anyway you know that from my previous podcast episode but like we don't have that connection all we're seeing here is that we have two chapters with them as siblings and we don't really see them interacting as siblings. We're just seeing her kind of just caring for him and him being 
very different to her, not really getting a sense of that relationship before she then joins the hunters and leaves. Well, not necessarily leaves, they're still there, but they, they don't have any further interaction after that moment except for a small little scene that, again, we aren't seeing, we aren't getting anything from because obviously Percy's perspective, but we aren't getting anything from that, so we have no basis of that familial relationship. So her doing this thing for Nico doesn't make any sense to us because we haven't seen a familial relationship between them other than us being told that they're siblings like it just yeah I don't I feel that that's the frustrating part is that not only has she been underdeveloped because we haven't gotten to know who she is like we haven't invested any time in her we haven't invested any time in her and Nico's relationship we haven't seen her and Nico's relationship is the big thing all we've seen really is the negative side of Bianca through obviously obviously Percy's biased opinion of her but because we haven't seen anything to do with her in a positive mindset we we don't really care about this loss of her like it doesn't feel like a significant loss it sucks because everyone is upset but that's the only reason why it sucks that and then obviously we then realize that this is like a 12 year old girl who's just died but we don't really feel anything about her death really until we have a sense of Percy's guilt and everyone's sadness and devastation and then when we think about Nico not the fact that she herself that Bianca is dead all we think about in relation to her death is the connection of that death and the impact it will have on others which is not how a good character death should be done we should feel something for that character outside of thinking about what other characters think of that moment we shouldn't care about that death because other characters do we should care about the death itself outside of everyone else oh that was a really impassioned speech i think it's just it's just something that really frustrates me is that is an underdeveloped character who's dying who has a really interesting story which i'm gonna get into here as well she had a really interesting story and it, that would have been really interesting to have built up before and get more about her before so we care when she dies but we don't and it's frustrating <sighs> but to get into well oh god this is going to be so negative I, not negative i'm just really critical i think that's the thing here i, I just to say it because i'm gonna have to say it all the time now i still love percy jackson i'm never gonna stop love percy jackson but there are a lot of things wrong with this series subjectively admittedly this is all subjective there are things that i have issues with this with the story and how it's written particularly relating to the characters and the story flow itself and this is one of the examples because this chapter has way too much going on that leads to a disconnect to everything particularly the Aphrodite storyline moment it just feels so insignificant and only serves as romantic fan service even though it's clear to us that Percy left for Annabeth because that is literally he basically explains that is the reason he's going is to help Annabeth because no one else seems to be going for that reason so we already know that so why do we need Aphrodite to come in for him to say that's the reason we already know because it's already been said so what's the point of this scene it doesn't make any sense and also just for the the setting itself of the trunk yard 
just feels so random. It doesn't have any bearing on the story other than it being the first death prophecy. Like, where we were before in the snowy area, you could have made that the desert and made... If you want the death to happen, have the death happen there. Because that that moment had some significance, but I don't understand why, they, why they've ended up here. This this setting has no significance to their journey, other than someone dies here. There's no importance for this setting. That this is literally not even a stop. Like this whole setting is completely insignificant, and like I just don't get it. They they cross through a junkyard to then get in a car to then drive, and I'm like, what? I just don't understand the logic of this setting and this scene. It could have been done in the previous bit and just have the previous bit of the snow be the desert instead. And then make that have the significant moment. I just... This this chapter literally just feels like it's been put in just to have the death. That's, that's what it feels like. And... Uh, yeah... I don't know, just have it happen in the previous chapter, if anything. Like I said, change the snow to the desert and have her die before the pig arrives and have the pig take them to the Hoover Dam. Like, or take them closer to the Hoover Dam. I just, I don't get the reason why they end up at this junkyard place. It just doesn't make any sense. Maybe there's like a mythology-based aspect. And if there is, do let me know because I haven't looked it up just because... I think even mythology-wise, this scene just feels so slotted in randomly that it doesn't make any sense. It's like the whole CeCe's Island and like the Krusty's mattress place. There's such random moments that don't really feel significant to the story. But either way, have her death happen relating to Bianca after she's had some more significance. And the, the only, for this chapter, the only points that needed to occur to actually have Bianca's story and death feel significant only have the Bianca Nico's casino backstory and her death. Only have those. And with that, you can then go into more detail with the casino story. So we can care about her more than we currently do. This Aphrodite story it's so stupid I don't get it get get rid of it leave this as a Bianca centric chapter so we care when she dies that's all I'm asking for <laughs> that's all I want but to go on to the Aphrodite thing for the God section now I've done a video about this in the past and I will link that but I really am not liking the presentation of Aphrodite's character like, not only does she not serve a purpose to the story, other than to cause romantic drama and hate the hunters, which, admittedly, okay, is accurate to mythology, so she doesn't like Artemis. She's caused problems for the hunters in the past because she doesn't like them. So, yeah, fair enough. But Ares' description of her... Well, not description, but Ares' words relating to her sums up the sort of terrible characterization. She thinks of Percy as a soap opera star slash show. So that's why she's hyper-focused on Percy's love life now. And it's just... This is the thing. It's just such a vapid 
vain show of beauty and love. Like, she's fixing her makeup in the scene itself. And then even says to herself, oh, I don't know what I'm worrying about. I look fine, sort of thing. It just... It doesn't make sense to me. Firstly, for the whole fixing her makeup thing. She's inherently beautiful. Why would she be fixing it? Like, she is inherently beautiful. There's nothing to fix. That's kind of the whole point. Like, she's she's just beautiful as she is. But the whole thing is, she, she just does come across as very dumb, very ditzy, very vapid, and just has a very vain view of beauty and love, and gives a very visually vain view of beauty and love. Beauty and love are incredibly powerful factors in life. It's that whole thing that, like, love and war go together. They are connected intrinsically. Have her, why not show her as beautiful, uh, uh, like powerful and beautiful? Why have her come across as, oh, I can't think of a good example of someone that she could present, present as, but yeah, I'm just not a fan of it. I think it could have been done so much better. She's like the the 180 opposite of like Artemis coming across as like man-hating. She is the, the love obsessive which just doesn't make sense. I don't know. I'm just not a, I'm just not a fan of it. I think it could have been done better. And I, I think I've talked about this before relating to the description of the Aphrodite cabins, of them being vain. Like, there is more to the goddess of love and beauty. Love and beauty have so many different elements to them than just being about romantic love and physical appearance. But we never get that. <laughs> But to stop me going on about that, let's get on to the next chapter. Chapter 14, I have a damn problem. And for the overview for chapter 14, it is as follows. Guilt and stress follow our group as they drive. Out of the desert, they arrive at a nearby street. No, street, stream. (laughs) Zoe's story continues and Percy's dumb, as we all know. In the waters, they arrive at the Hoover Dam. Memories and love for Annabeth arrive, followed by cheesy dam jokes, which is where part of our podcast name comes from. When a cow saves his life, Percy not only meets a goddess, but also nearly kills a mortal who, a mortal who can see through the mist. With a burrito fight, our gang run for their lives, and winged statues save their lives. Realised that the word lives twice. Not very good writing on my part, but it's happened now, so ha ha ha. So, to go with character again to start off with this, I particularly want to talk about Zoe this time around. I know I haven't talked about Percy in a while now, but it. I, we'll just carry on. <laughs> so, Zoe takes her role as Lieutenant incredibly seriously, and we've kind of seen that a little bit throughout this book. and. Zoe is a good presentation of good characterization, even though she does also come across as man hating, which I think is the stupidest thing. But um, anyway, but what's interesting is that she, because she takes her role so seriously, she is taking the full blame for what happened to Bianca and believes that it is her fault alone. 
because she convinced Bianca to come on the, this quest with her. And even mentions that she was considering giving Bianca the lieutenant role because she felt she, she felt so powerful. And with that reference, it appears that she's ready to hang up her role as a hunter, which makes me question a few things as to how's, how is she considering ending her role? Like, is there a darker undertone to that? Like, was she so unhappy with life now because she's lived for so long that she'd give up being a hunter and die maybe I don't know it's just there's something that comes across quite and considering Talia was worried about it like she she doesn't know where her head's at it kind of makes me think that a little bit more but then also we gain a little bit more insight to her past which again good building of character and like it kind of ties in a little bit more to that past bit that Percy had dream wise although the dream itself was weird I'm still not a fan of that but feeding this in here works and like I get it and it feels more realistic to have it here and admittedly I would have gotten rid of the dream and like give a sense considering that Chiron, I know everyone makes fun of the fact that I say Chiron because it's most people pronounce it as Chiron, but Chiron is better for me to say, so go away. Yeah, other post Jackson podcasters, I know exactly, you know who you are, um, and also my YouTube comments because you guys suck sometimes with some of the comments I get about how I pronounce things. Because um, the YouTube comments are mean. <laughs> but I think they could have gotten rid of the dream sequence and have it here because like Chiron did mention to Percy that she doesn't like this sword like his sword she doesn't like it so he would recognize that and kind of that would give him an opportunity to ask and then she could explain and it would work and she could even say you would know him because he once owned that lion coat and because Percy's obviously dumb and won't understand that, we would, because we know more than Percy at this point now, but it would give some insight and it would make it feel more natural, really, to me. But yeah, so we get more of her history and we learn that she was literally erased from history because of her betrayal to her family. Her helping of this hero led to her downfall and led to many turning against her, even mentioning that the Nerids or Nyrids, I don't know how it's pronounced, of the water spirit ladies um, who are pushing them up river and don't like her because of what she did. So it's interesting to get some more to Zoe. And like this is this is what I wanted for Bianca. I wanted more relating to Bianca of her past, which we started to get. But then it's interrupted by Aphrodite and then she dies. <laughs> Just give me more of her story before you kill her, please. And to get into story, to finish up for chapter 14, the story we have is a small follow-up of what happened in the previous chapter. And the issue is, other than the aspect with Zoe, which doesn't really go into the whole Bianca aspect really, and a few moments of them all being just emotionally exhausted, but not even emotionally exhausted because they don't seem to treat it that way, they're all sad clearly but it it disappears so quickly i would have liked for this chapter 
to have more of an emotional focus for the loss. I feel like the drama happened far too soon. Like the skeletons have appeared again, and they're on the they're, they're running. They're they're being rescued by giant statues with wings, which should set off an anxiety theme because these are statues, like giant moving statues. And I know the thing that they face wasn't a statue; it was like a mechanical monster. But that should set them on edge of. This is exactly like what happened with Bianca. Oh my god, this is was this a bad idea? Like something like that. But we don't. We don't have anything. We've just moved on, story-wise, from Bianca's death. And it we had like two, maybe three pages max that have connections relating to the loss of Bianca. And this, hold on, let me check to see how many pages this chapter is. Uh, so this is one eight nine. Oh my god, it's this is twenty pages. Wait, no, it's not twenty pages. Twelve pages. <laughs> Wait, no, it is. Yeah, one eight nine to two oh nine. Yeah, there's twenty pages, and it's like literally this first three slash four pages maybe have references to the emotional impact of Bianca's death and then we don't get anything else we get a, a brief mention in the middle relating to like the, the emotional exhaustion because they're at the Hoover Dam and they're kind of wigged out but other than that we get nothing <laughs> like we've moved on so quickly from the death of a character that is supposed to feel important but it doesn't like not only do we as an audience not really have the chance to comprehend what happened but the characters haven't either which just adds to this feeling of it not feeling important which is frustrating because every death this is the thing that i've learned recently any character that dies should have a sense of importance to the reader if we don't feel like it's significant we aren't going to care and it's not going to it's not going to matter. The death is going to feel just like a cheap shot. Just like, oh, we've just got to add some drama. Just kill someone, even though we don't care about this person. Like, you don't necessarily have to, like, love this character. But, like, we've got to feel something for them. But it just, just feels like it doesn't. Like, I don't know. It's just frustrating. The only other things that happen in this chapter is that we have this interesting inclusion of a mortal who can see through the mist and sees Percy and the skeletons for what they are. Um, so, like, that's interesting. And then we get another random inclusion of Athena, and then a bit to do with, like, Talia's belief that her father doesn't care about her, and then seemingly it looks like he maybe does, because the statues wake up and rescue them. But, like, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> we have this, these small little moments with Bianca, and then these things take precedence of oh wow this mortal can see percy for what he really is and what the skeletons are that's crazy bessie is about again and has warned percy to do with the skeletons who have arrived at the hoover dam oh no we've got to escape from the skeletons oh no let's see if we can get these statues to help us oh yeah the statues will help us yay the statues are rescuing us that takes precedence over everything else and just it's just adding more drama to it, which undermines the drama of the previous chapter. Like, we need a chapter to breathe. 
when something like a death of a character happens. Because we we need to feel the emotional weight. The fact that we don't have that, that we have drama immediately follow, shows that, in a sense, this, this character's death has no emotional meaning. Oh no, I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. But yeah, I, it's just frustrating. I think that's the whole thing with this, is just... Bianca in particular, especially considering the fact that she has died, and this is what I was meaning in that I wish she was she was being developed way more because I knew this was going to happen because obviously I've read these books so much, and the fact that she is just so underdeveloped frustrates the hell out of me because her death just doesn't feel significant except for the fact that all the other characters care, and then we know that it's going to devastate Nico. That's the only reason why we end up caring about. Bianca's death so yeah <laughs> not the, not the best I think the characterization in the in this book mainly with the female characters and I have brought this up in the past and I'm not meaning it in like a bad way but I think the characterization of side female characters is hasn't been good thus far Aphrodite Artemis Zoe although Zoe is getting a little bit more at the moment Bianca what are the female characters that we've got? Sally is probably the only good example of a side female character that we care about. But other than that, like, those are the only ones that we've got thus far that we care about. Clarice, you guys know I love Clarice, but, like, we aren't made to like her. Like, she's not likeable. So, yeah, side female characters just seem to not have a really good presentation of themselves, which is frustrating and I'm not a fan <laughs> um so just for the live action that we are getting of Percy Jackson I hope that's something that's improved on is that the side female characters that we do get get better stories and get better presentations because we need that but yeah <laughs> that is my discussion for chapters 13 and 14 of the titan's curse so I want to thank you guys so much for joining me today for chapter 13 and 14 and be sure to join me next Wednesday as we continue our Rioldenverse journey. To plug where you can find our podcast, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts where you can leave a rating and a review, Audioboom, Stitcher and Deezer. In the meantime, you can find the Best Time Camp on various social media at Best Time Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email me with your own thoughts, you can email thebesttimecamp at hotmail.com and I will read it out at the end of the show. If you want to support me making this content, check me out on Patreon at A Healthy Dose of Fran and be sure to check out my YouTube channel, A Healthy Dose of Fran, for more Percy Jackson content and drop me a follow at A Healthy Dose of Fran on Instagram and at A Dose of Fran on Twitter. And of course, for the Kane Chronicles Netflix, just search Kane Chronicles Netflix on Instagram to follow it there too. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter, and I will see slash speak to you guys next time. So long, my friends. <laughs>